0: some of the results that we see from dieting are waking, which is the kind of main reason that we go into the diet in the first place is to lose weight, which is problematic of in and of itself. Um, but that is something that these diets won't tell you, right? Like that a risk of doing this unsustainable and restrictive thing is actually going to cause exactly the opposite of what you are intending with it.
1: I'm Meg, mindfulness and meditation teacher, social emotional learning expert, and loving mama of two. As women, we often wear all the hats, have very full plates, are spread too thin, and sometimes have trouble balancing it all. You're not alone. It's my life's passion to help women find more peace, purpose, compassion, and presence in a very busy world. Every woman listening will walk away with support guidance, and real-life tools to use today. No matter where you are in life, you will learn to live a life you truly love. Come along with me as we get real and vulnerable. I am here to help keep you grounded, access the present moment, live with more intention, and navigate all that comes your way. So grab your AirPods and maybe find that cup of cold coffee. This is Our Mindful Way. Hey everyone, welcome back to Our Mindful Way. I am so excited for this week's conversation. I am bringing you the anti-diet mama, Samantha Gallop. She is a registered dietitian and we dive in today and talk a lot about diet culture. You know, start of the new year, we might think we need a new diet or program or protein shake to reset our new year, but Samantha's going to show us why it might not be the best idea to do that. We also talk about our overall well-being, our relationship with food, how to nourish our body through intuitive eating, and so much more. I can't wait for you to tune in. So, Sammy is a registered dietitian, and she began her career in surgical weight management for several years, and through that, found her niche in the intuitive eating world at her private practice, Anti-Diet Mama. Isn't that an amazing name? Sammy is passionate about helping mamas to heal their relationships with food and body by dismantling what we've learned from diet culture and finding space in their busy lives to actually take care of their own health in a balanced way. Through intuitive eating counseling, she helps mamas to honor their bodies, create healthful habits, and improve overall quality of life, all while simplifying nutrition. Yes, please. Sammy aims to help each mama break the dieting cycle so she can become her authentic self and raise the next generation without the toxic influence of diet culture. When Sammy isn't working, she's spending time with her husband and her busy toddlers. She loves moving her body in different ways, self-care, eating delicious food with her friends and family, and she also loves traveling. I hope you find today's episode informative, helpful, and inspiring. I loved sitting down with Sammy, and I really hope you love this one too. Okay, Sammy, I am so excited to have you today and have a really great conversation around so much. I think that in the new year comes maybe a feeling of new me, new food, new diets, dare I say, and I'm excited to sit down and talk with you today just about kind of debunking the whole diet culture thing and having a better feeling and grasp on how to nourish our own bodies, how to feel good in our skin, and how to model that for our families as well. So before we dive into all that goodness today, I would love for you to share a little bit about how you got into this work and what really pulled you to become a registered dietitian. Yeah. So thank you for having me, Megan. I'm so excited to be here. Um, so
0: my journey to becoming a dietitian is kind of long, so I'm going to give you the kind of short of it all, but, um, when I went into college, I went in thinking that I wanted to become a psychologist, actually, and what I really wanted to do with my psychology degree was work with people that have eating disorders, um, because I had so many friends that had eating disorders in high school, as so many of us do, because it's so pervasive, Um, and then I decided that I didn't really want to go on to school to get my PhD. So while I was in college, I was also an athlete and I had to take this nutrition course. Um, and I decided after actually seeing a dietitian because I was on a weight-based team, it was hard to maintain my weight where I needed it to be. Um, that kind of combination of meeting with the dietitian and taking this nutrition class kind of clued me into, this is actually what I want to do. I want to become a dietitian, And I thought that it would be less schooling, which it was not. And (laughs) nonetheless, here we are. Um, So after I kind of went through all of my schooling um, for dietetics, which included a lot of biochemistry, I will say, um, I got an internship. I took my qualifying exam and um got a job right out of my internship working at UW Hospital, which is kind of our local university hospital here in Madison, Wisconsin. And I started as a float dietitian, which a lot of dietitians do. Um, I worked inpatient and outpatient. And one of the clinics that I worked for outpatient was a weight loss surgery clinic and I just fell in love with it. I thought that it was a really interesting specialty. Um, it's a specialty that we didn't learn a lot in, about in school. Um, and I thought that it was really cool because the surgery kind of gives people a new lease on life um, or what, what I kind of believed to be the case. Um, but I loved that I got to see my patients before surgery after surgery and then for life after that. So I really got to develop long-term relationships with these patients and see their improvements and their new lives and, and all of that. So uh, one of the dietitians there ended up leaving a couple months after I had started and I got her position, which was fantastic. Um, and I had actually been there up until this December um, for seven years, which is kind of crazy. but. While I was in the bariatric clinic or the weight loss surgery clinic, um, I didn't realize how much interaction I would have with patients that have really disordered eating habits. Um, so binge eating, history of bulimia and anorexia, and just really um, strange relationships with food. And I think what I recognized was that that I really wanted to start working with people before they got to this point in their lives of being on and off diets forever, that they get to this point where they've gained so much weight, they have a horrible relationship with food and their body, and they have to have bariatric surgery to improve their health, right? Um, So, um, you know, I've kind of, been back and forth with thinking about, you know, do I want to work with adolescents? Do I want to work with moms? Do I want to work with little kiddos? Um, and what I came to in my private practice was working with moms of young kids. So I started my private practice right after I had my baby, right during the pandemic, when it was like all kind of crazy town. Um, and I was Sammy GBRD back then, and now I'm anti-diet mama. And what I do is work with moms of young kids to help improve their relationship with food, with their bodies, so that they don't pass on this really tumultuous relationship um, with diet culture, because that can be so easy. You know, with my patients that I was seeing in clinic, they started dieting when they were eight, nine, 10 years old, or going with their mom to Weight Watchers meetings when they were really young. So they grew up with this. So in their face, and that's actually a really good indicator that kids are going to have disordered eating habits or eating disorders down the road. So I decided working with moms is the best bet. And We need to um, really heal ourselves first before we can raise intuitive eaters or kids with a healthy relationship with
1: food and body. Wow. I am just sitting here soaking it all in because that was so much informative information, but I was sitting here just nodding my head over all of it. Um, I have to ask because I too played a sport in college. What did you play?
0: I was a rower. So I was on a weight-based team. Um, I was on the lightweight team. It's like one of the only, it's not an allowed Big Ten sport. So we kind of like got around it at the time by being not Big Ten um, because weight-based teams aren't allowed in Big Ten. Um, So yeah, I had to be under 130 pounds. um, And that was challenging for me because that was like more of a set point weight for me. Um, But I'm not tall enough or big enough to be on the open weight. So I really had to develop a disordered relationship with food and, and my body to be in that team. And I was only on the team for a year, um, somewhat because of that. Um, so, yeah, it was fun being a college athlete, but there's a lot.
1: Yeah. Well, and like similarly, um, I only played for the first part of college too due to an injury. However, when you were talking about that, and I know that. It's so funny that when we're in our thirties, right, that part of our life seems like so long ago until somebody brings it up and we can like think about it and feel about it. And I used to have to step on a scale. Uh, before Mm -hmm. lacrosse practice. And I just am looking back and I used to be so fearful of that. And I would have anxiety over it. And I too took nutrition classes and here I am trying to live my best life in college and have a good time, but also play a division one sport and stepping Mm -hmm. on a scale and what that still brings me like, right. Like we, we have to unlearn a lot of the things that We used to have in our life. And I can relate to the whole, you know, moms and weight watchers and, you know, our parents watching what they eat and how it's kind of like instilled in us still a little bit. And that's what we're going to shift into a little bit. I would love to really kind of dissect the whole diet culture thing because it's a new year. And, you know, you hear people say, new year, new me. And it's, you know, I have a lot of feelings around that because (laughs) being a mindfulness coach, being a mom, being a teacher. You know, it can we can be the same our same selves, but make small shifts. And I think January brings up an exciting time. You get to turn the page. It's new. It's exciting. There's a lot of hope and a lot of wonder. But I fall into this category too, in the fact that I feel that I need to reset this whole mm-hmm. big feeling of wanting to reset in the new year. I need a new program, a new diet, or not really a diet, but you know, uh, uh what what is the word I'm looking for? A lot of these things or these people. Like a and cleanse
0: those- or a detox or just a yes. refresher in your diet, right?
1: Yes. Just something to, or a protein shake to reset ourselves in the new year. And I think so many of us have been living this for so long and I have oh, fallen goodness. in to that cycle of thinking that I need to do this too. And I love your name, Anti-Diet Mama. And if you're not following Sammy, go follow her. I, I just love that. So let's dive in. How can we I mean, I want to hear your honest thoughts as a dietitian who works with moms, who works with women and tell us why starting a diet now, or even just dieting in general, might not be the way to go. And what kind of, I guess, detrimental impact it can have on Mm -hmm. us, on our mindset, on our emotional health, but also our physical health.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, So first let's just take a step back because I heard you kind of correct yourself, like maybe not a diet. And, and a lot of people will kind of come to me, especially when they're they're new clients and they've kind of hit their like breaking point with diets and they're like, well, I'm not dieting, but there are still a lot of dieting tools and kind of hidden forms of dieting that can be there. So let's talk about what dieting is. Um So first of all, we have like the fad diet, right? Like keto and intermittent fasting and high protein, low carb. Um, and all these other things that are like trying to be non-diet diets where there's restriction, there's calorie counting, there's macro counting. Um, there is some sort of macronutrient, fat, protein or carb that's being restricted, right? So someone else is telling us how to feed our body, what to feed our body, when to feed our body. And we're then not listening to what our body's signals are. But then we also have all of these other ways that we might have disordered eating um, or dieting rules that are kind of hidden. So I want to talk about some of those things, because if you feel like you haven't dieted in a long time, but you still have these negative feelings about food in your body coming up, or you feel like you need to lose weight, you might be doing things like counting points or calories or macros. You might not be letting yourself eat certain foods that you want to be eating. You might be choosing foods that are lowest in calories when you go out to eat. You might be um, avoiding certain foods that are too high in fat or too high in sugar. You might be weighing yourself frequently and really, um, honed in on the scale to give you that kind of sense of self-worth. You might be Googling how to lose weight all the time or taking supplements that are supposed to burn fat. Um, So there are all these other kind of ways that we can still not be listening to our bodies and, and improving our health from kind of the ground up instead of this like external force telling us how to eat. Um, So in any form of dieting or restriction, which maybe we can call it restriction, we are kind of undoing biology or we're really pressuring biology, let's say it that way. So when we are not eating enough, what happens eventually is that our bodies slow down. Okay, so if we think about from a biological perspective and and an evolutionary perspective, when we were thousands and thousands of years ago in the wintertime, we would experience famine. We wouldn't have food for months on end. And our bodies have adapted over time to actually work through that. Right. We're here as humans. We've evolved. Food is now present all the time. But what happened at those times was our metabolism, our our way of using energy in our body, downshifted and adapted. And our bodies got really good at using the very few calories that it does have available to it, if any. And then when food finally did come around and growing season was there, you, got in, you shot an animal or what have you, I don't know, um, you actually your body would store that food away, the metabolism would still be slow, you'd have a lower muscle mass, and then you would store that food away to prepare for the next famine. So while we're not going through famines, our bodies are still looking at this as a time of famine when we have these purposeful restrictions. And it doesn't know the difference because from a biological standpoint and a cellular functioning standpoint, our bodies are still like, oh, I'm not getting enough. So I'm going to hold on. I'm going to slow down. I'm going to downshift and downregulate. So actually some of the results that we see from dieting are waking, which is the kind of main reason that we go into the diet in the first place is to lose weight, which is problematic of in and of itself. Um, but that is something that these diets won't tell you, right? Like that a risk of doing this unsustainable and restrictive things is actually going to cause exactly the opposite of what you are intending with it, right? Not to mention along the way, you could be causing issues with your heart. You could be causing a higher risk for diabetes with all of this weight cycling and going up and down and on and off the diet. You could be causing thyroid issues. You could be causing Um, any number of health issues, right? We think we're dieting to get healthier and losing weight to get healthier when we're really just causing more harm to our health in general. Then we also have all these emotional things that are going on too, poor self-efficacy, poor mental health, um, poor relationship with food. We are consumed by thoughts of food and weight and not able to pay attention to and be present in our lives and and mindful about the things that we actually want to do. Um, Because we're just so bogged down by what am I going to eat? And can I have that? Or can I not have that? Is that on the diet? Or is that not on the diet? Or what's the matter? What am I going to have at this restaurant, right? We are consumed by what we're going to be consuming. Um, So there's so many negative things about dieting. That it's hard to even justify this idea that, like, dieting and restriction is good for you, even if it's helping you to lose weight, which, in and of itself, the, that pursuit of weight loss is harmful for many, many different reasons. Um, there are so many other health promoting factors that we can focus on to improve our health. Right. We can focus on sleeping more and drinking enough water and eating more balanced and eating more fruits and vegetables and having a greater variety of intake, um, managing our stress. You know, there's there's so much more that we can focus on that are going to be so much more beneficial and feel so good than just the idea of honing in on this number on the scale, which is not telling us anything about our health at all. Um, so that's what I focus on with my clients is honing in on all of those things that we know are health promoting and trying to get this idea that our weight equals our health because it does not.
1: I hope if you're listening that you just heard that as if Sammy was speaking right to you, cause I felt it here. Um, you brought up so many different parts of just The years passed for me and even like as recent of last week and maybe even this morning. I think that once we're kind of stuck in this cycle of thinking that we need something to reset or we restrict ourselves, or for me personally, I totally skip meals. I make it way bigger than it needs to be of eating healthy. And I think it's really refreshing coming from a registered dietitian that you are looking at the whole person. That it is all connected, that we need to be mindful, haha, ha, how perfect, of <laughs> what we are thinking what we are feeling, how we are acting, how we are behaving, and how we're taking action to nourish ourselves. So I could totally dive into all the things you just said, but I would love for the person that might be struggling or felt really inspired by what you just shared. I will say you sharing all of those negative things about dieting, it hit me differently today um, and gave me a new perspective of the harm that it could actually be doing. Like I'm personally thinking of When I skip meals, my body is slowing down. Well, what the heck am I doing then? So for the person that might be feeling overwhelmed or might want to kind of kick the diet to the curb, what's a good place to start? You touched upon it a little bit about nourishing our bodies. And that's actually one of my words for the new year is nourish. I really want to make sure I'm really good at nourishing my mind and my soul and moving my body. But um, eating and nourishing in that way is really hard for me. So what tips do you have? I know you said focusing on whole foods, but could you just share a little bit more there?
0: Yeah. Well, I think coming into this with the idea that like, we are busy moms, we have a lot going on and I don't know if your whole community is like just mom per se, but, um, you know, I think that when we have so much going on. We do tend to skip meals and snacks, maybe not even with the intention of cutting calories out or losing weight. Um, But a lot of times we're just not eating enough. So I want to encourage you to think about instead of eating for weight loss, eating for nourishment. And with that, we want to build in variety and having more right? We want different colors of fruits and vegetables. We want different kinds of grains in our diet. We want different kinds of proteins in our diet. So a good rule of thumb and a good way to kind of balance our hormones is to make sure that you're eating every few hours throughout the day. So starting with breakfast within an hour of waking up, I'm going to have a good breakfast with a protein, a carbohydrate, a fat, maybe some sort of produce in there. Um, And then every three hours from there, whether it's snack or a meal, it doesn't really matter. But if you are feeding your body every few hours, you're really keeping those hormones nice and controlled in a way because when your blood sugars are getting too high or too low, you're going to feel low energy. If you're keeping them nice and steady throughout the day and feeding yourself adequately, you're going to feel energized. You're going to feel good. You're going to feel like you're fueling your body in a way that supports what you're doing with your day, instead of thinking about using food or not using food to lose weight, right? Food does not make us gain or lose weight. Fueling our body in a way that's enough and effective and efficient and balance is much more beneficial for our bodies long-term. So I think that's a really good place to start. Think about how you could eat more balanced throughout the day, more frequently throughout the day, um, and add in more variety instead of taking out things.
1: I love that. And I think that if we can sort of shift our mindset around what food is And I know there's a lot of work to be done to kind of unlearn things or let things go that we may have been believing or hanging on to for so long in regards to treats and snacks and calorie counting, but looking at it as nourishment, looking at it as fuel, looking at it as energy and who doesn't want as a busy mom, busy working mom, who doesn't want more energy? And you know, I always say like in the mindfulness world that we really have more control than we think, right? We are in the driver's seat of our own life. We get to create space. We get to create intention. We get to create pause. And for my own self, how I'm sort of absorbing everything you're sharing is I want to bring food into that. I've never really used food in that way. And it's kind of exciting to me to use food almost as as a piece of my, again, like the whole person of mental health, physical health, you know, your mindset, well, food can work in that way too. And that's really empowering and exciting for me um, to kind of make that shift. I would love to just quickly talk a little bit about intuitive eating, which is sort of connected to what you're sharing. Now I've heard of this before, but for the listener who has no clue what intuitive eating is, can you explain it for us? I love the idea because it is truly connected to mindfulness and there's so much we can talk about with mindful eating and listening to our bodies, but what is intuitive eating and why do you, are you somebody who recommends that for your clients? Yes. So
0: first I want to go back to what you were saying before about like using food as fuel and nourishment, because I think one part of the like mindfulness that we can Play into this a little bit more is that you're eating with intention, right? You're really eating to, to nourish your body, but also food does so much more for us, right? It's, it's an emotional thing. It can be really fun. You know, we have celebrations that are centered around food. And just because you're eating to nourish your body or to fuel your body doesn't mean that we're missing out on those pieces. And that is, I'm bringing this up because this is part of intuitive eating as well. It's not just you eat when you're hungry and you stop when you're full. It's the, about the emotional connection to food as well. But also we have to be present and mindful when eating all food because we need to see how it's operating in our body and how it feels and how we, um, how we really are utilizing that food, I guess. Um, is, is the best way to say it, or why, why we're eating and how that food feels in our body. So um, let's talk about intuitive eating and get a little more into it, because I think there are some misconceptions around it. So intuitive eating, and hopefully I can do it justice, it is based on 10 principles that were defined in the 90s by two dietitians um, that specialize in eating disorders, Evelyn Triboli and Elise Rush. So it's kind of defined as this flexible style of eating in which you really follow your internal sensations of hunger and satiety and then determine what to eat, when to eat, how to eat, when to stop eating. So you're not relying on anything external. It's all coming from this internal place. And it's dynamic. It integrates mind, body connection, instincts, emotion, and rational thought. So the basis of this, of these 10 principles are around what we call introceptive awareness. So that ability to identify, to assess, um, and understand what our bodies are telling us and then responding to it appropriately. What we do when we're dieting and when we have these food rules and these messages from our families and from society that... should be doing xyz with our diet or looking like the certain way that society tells us is acceptable those are barriers to interoceptive awareness and those barriers are um needing are we need to break down those barriers before we can really access our interoceptive awareness and respond to it So there are three principles that help us to remove the barriers. Those are rejecting the diet mentality, finding food freedom, and challenging the food police. Um, And so a lot of what those are doing are kind of helping reshape our thoughts about body and nutrition and food um, so that we can kind of start from a neutral place with body and food. And then we build into the interoceptive awareness and we rebuild trust with ourselves and with our body by feeding our body enough, by stopping eating when we're feeling satisfied, by being more present during meal and snack time, um, working on satisfaction with our food. So that's kind of the more emotional sense to it and making sure that, you know, maybe not every meal is a 10 out of 10, but at least we're we're eating the things that we feel like our body needs at that time. Um, And then they do talk about movement and how to uh, create movement for your body that feels good. That is not for weight loss, that is just for mental health, for sleeping, for improving your overall fitness. And then uh, the final um, principle is about, Oh my gosh, you're going to have to edit this. The final principle is about balancing your nutrition or gentle nutrition. So intuitive eating, I think a lot of people are like, oh, this is a free for all. You'd eat what you want whenever you want. And I would just eat cookies and candy all day. And that's not true. You know, if you were really truly listening to your body and, and responding to your body signals, you would find that if you ate the same thing day in and day out, it would start to feel pretty crappy because you're not getting a good balance of nutrition that way. And your body doesn't like that. Right. Um, there might be some times where you are healing your relationship with food and finding food freedom that if you are starting to reintroduce forbidden foods that you feel out of control with them. But eventually you give yourself that unconditional permission to eat whatever you want. You know that food is available to you whenever you want it. Um, And then you find that satisfaction and that mindfulness with it. And then it becomes more habitual and is not something that you feel out of control with. So as you can see, it's really complicated and it takes time. You know, I always remind my clients this is not something that is linear, you're not going to just like learn all of this stuff and be able to do it. I have clients that, you know, I'll see for 12 sessions, and then um, they will, you know, be doing really well, they will be um, living their lives and not dieting anymore and nourishing their bodies. And then they'll come back five months later, something triggered them to feel like they need to lose weight and they are considering going on a diet again. So we kind of have to go back to square one, but it all tends to work a little bit more quickly than once we get back into it and, and have these reminders of why dieting is harmful and why your body is good the way that it is and how to treat your body well and get back into the rhythm of those things. So uh, it's definitely a process and can take years for some, depending on where you're at. But for some people, it takes takes a few sessions and they're kind of well on their way. So it just depends on how much work you put into it um, and how much you trust yourself to work with your body.
1: Yeah, and and I love that. And I I guess I really never realized how connected it is to mindfulness, right? So when we're practicing Mm -hmm. mindfulness and it's a lifelong practice, when we're practicing mindfulness, we have to listen to ourselves. We have to give ourselves the gift of getting quiet enough to be able to listen. Because I always say that we have the answers, right? Like you have it within you. We just have to get quiet enough to listen. We need some tools to help us. We need sometimes a facilitator or a coach or somebody, a professional to help us make those shifts. Um, But it's all about really listening in. And Mm -hmm. I think that's so beautiful. It's almost like a ritual of, um, looking at food in a different way, in a different light, in a positive way, as opposed to restricting of almost that I get to eat this and how beautiful is this and how exciting. And I can listen to what I'm craving and what I'm wanting. And it doesn't mean that that's bad. And I think, can you actually repeat those three barriers? I think you called them before we can start shifting into intuitive eating. Yeah, yeah. So
0: it's rejecting the diet mentality. Um, So really looking at like all forms of dieting that are coming into your life and getting rid of those. That's one of the things that I recommend first. So, you know, who are you following on social media that gives you, you know, before and afters and tells you what they eat in a day and all these things that make you compare yourself or make you um, feel like you need to be doing the next diet. Then there's making peace with food. So that's kind of looking at those forbidden foods, foods that you won't let yourself eat and starting to work on bringing those back into your life, knowing that you can be eating those things and that it's okay to eat all foods, kind of looking at all foods as neutral instead of having this hierarchy. And then the last one is um, challenging the food police. And that one's looking at these voices in your head or from outside that are telling you you did a bad job eating today or you were a good eater today or um, things like that, that that just give you this negative idea um, and these automatic thoughts that come up for you that are helping you to listen to your body because they're making you judge the things that you're eating and the way that your body is.
1: Yeah. And I I can definitely relate well to all of them, but especially that third one of going into that guilt mode, which Mm -hmm. then turns into shame. And we end up shaming ourselves for eating a certain way or rewarding ourselves for, I Mm -hmm. had a great, I ate so healthy today, you know, I'm going to have a cookie or tomorrow I can have a bagel. I find myself in that mode (laughs) quite a bit of, you know, and it's really going up and down and up and down. And you just shared that, before earlier in this conversation, that that's not necessarily doing any good for our own bodies. Um, so, actually, if you don't mind, can we talk a little bit about that—that that guilt, that shame cycle? Because I know so many of us women, we expe- and men too, but we experience that and we get stuck in it, and then like, how, can you help us here?
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. So I, I always think about this in terms of, you know, when you have a food that you quote unquote shouldn't be having or that a diet deems as bad or that we have created this thought that we shouldn't be eating it or it's going to make us gain weight and then we're bad for having it. What happens, let's take Oreos, for instance, because I was talking about this yesterday with a client. And so if you imagine yourself feeling out of control with Oreos right? If you have these Oreos in your house, you bought them because it was impulsive and you just wanted them when you're at the store, you weren't thinking about it. You have them in your home. You eat a couple, right? You kind of maybe are mindlessly just going back and forth into the kitchen and you have the Oreos. And then you think to yourself, oh, I can't believe I did that. I better get rid of these before I have all of them or before I, bu- so that they're not in my house anymore, right? So then you have more, and then you feel kind of crappy, and then you feel the guilt and the shame, and then you have more, and then you eat all of them just so that the package goes away, right? So you felt out of control with that food, you felt guilt and shame. When we feel that guilt or shame for eating the food, we're never going to actually enjoy the food, right? Because we're it's so jaded by our feelings mm. of negativity around it. So if you were to break that cycle and instead really mindfully eat the food and say to yourself, I can have the Oreos. The Oreos are okay. The Oreos aren't going to make me gain or lose weight. The Oreos are neutral. They're the same as eating broccoli, for instance, which nutritionally, from a nutrition standpoint, of course they're not, but from an emotional standpoint, they have to be equal. And when we have that neutrality around food and the mindfulness paired with it, we can enjoy a couple Oreos and then be done with them and move on with the rest of our day instead of spiraling about it and feeling really bad and wasting all of our energy beating
1: ourselves up,
0: right? So that's part of this making peace with food that I think is really important. And honestly, a lot of times I kind of breeze past it with a lot of my clients because They've kind of gotten to a point where they're not forbidding any food, but I think it's a lot of that neuroplasticity that we need to build into our work and just not feeling bad about eating a certain food or like that food is something that you shouldn't be having. We really need to look at those all or nothing words that we're using around food and Stop using them, right? We have to find neutrality with all of it.
1: Mm, So powerful. And also for anyone who's listening that might not know what mindful eating is and how to really mindfully enjoy an Oreo. My best tip, and Sammy, you can chime in here too, is to really involve your senses. So, making sure that you actually sit down (laughs) and create a moment for yourself, a moment to enjoy the cookie, as opposed to walking in and out of the kitchen or eating on the go and bringing in your senses. What does it feel like? What does the Oreo smell like? I know it sounds silly, but when we bring in all of those senses, we're able to experience food in such a beautiful way and we really get to savor and enjoy it. And we might feel after one or two cookies, that that's enough because we took the time to bring in uh, all five of our senses, being able to taste and feel what that cookie tastes like and really savor that moment of enjoyment.
0: And not to mention, so first of all, I think that that's really important with as many meals as you can in a day, sit down, have a pleasant eating environment, limit distractions as much as you can put your TV, your phone away, turn off your TV get away from your computer, like be present. And when you're involving all of your senses like that, and when you're really present, the shame and the guilt have no room to be. Mm. Right. And I think that that's the kind of coolest part. When I take my clients through mindful eating practices, we kind of look, you know, we're talking and talking and talking through it in a way that's helping us be present with it and taste it and chew it. And, experience the textures and the flavors and all of that. And then when I bring them back at the end, we look at now, what were you thinking during that? Mm. And it's like, well, I was thinking about the food, right? They weren't thinking I'm so bad for having this, or I'm in such like this horrible, shameful place because they were
1: just simply present with their food. Mm. That's so powerful and so beautiful. And If you're listening, I hope you're inspired to try that. Create a sensory experience for yourself. Put your phone away. I work with a lot of clients on this too. Uh, Being worthy of a lunch, right? Closing your laptop, turning off your phone, and and truly enjoying it. I need to take my own advice here with in regards to meals and fueling my body, um, and being really kind and gentle. There is no room for that judgment. And if you do find that judgment creeping in, um, I always say to acknowledge, right? So being aware of our negative thoughts and we want to get rid of that. So we don't turn into guilt and shame, but simply by being aware, awareness is the foundation in almost everything that we do. And it's one of my Mm -hmm. pillars of mindfulness. If we can be aware of those negative thoughts, creeping in, all you have to do is notice and say, Oh, Okay, that's not really not a nice thought. It's not yeah. rational. Take a deep breath and if you're in the moment or you're in the space where you can replace it with I am allowed to or I am worthy of or mm-hmm. this is fueling my body or I am a work in progress. There's so many different mantras that we can use and I use a lot of words. Thought work is a really big piece to my life of how I navigate all things, but I think in regards to eating, I think it would be really helpful to be able to just notice, be aware. And when you start to feel that judgment creep up, we need to have compassion to our, with ourselves here. Um, Sammy, I want to ask you one last question.
0: And mm-hmm.
1: I might have to have you back again to talk about um body image and body love. I know we don't quite have enough time for that today, but I would love to end with this. So I know that you really you're a mom. I'm a mom. Mm-hmm. A lot of our listeners are moms. And I'm going to throw a curveball at you because we didn't plan for this question. But <laughs> a lot of what we talked about today just made me think of how I want to raise my own children and how I want my daughter and my son to look at food and what type of relationship I want to have, what I want them to have with food. And I catch myself saying, just eat two more bites of broccoli, then you can have a cookie. It happens. It happens. But I really would like to make a shift in my house. We have family dinners. I like to offer a variety of food. Um, you know, I've done a lot of my own research and it's trial and error and toddlers and kids are going to be picky, but Mm -hmm. how can I really start to, I guess, have those values in my home that there's not a bad food and that kind of like ditch the whole have two more bites of your grapes and then you can have a Hershey kiss like oh, i know yeah. it's going to happen but i would love to hear your you know your mission your philosophy and your thoughts ar- around that
0: okay so kind of starting with your first question like what's kind of the first step that you can do and i think the best advice that i have is just not saying anything right because mm-hmm. i think that that is so powerful um you know when when we're talking about food see what your kids bring up. If they're asking you questions about it, great. Um, If you can be playful with it, that's awesome. But when we're talking about how to eat your food or why to eat your food, like just don't, you just don't have to. With things like dessert or sweet treats um, or what have you, my advice there would be to offer it at the same time you offer the meal. This might feel a little scary (laughs) for people that grew up with, you know, dessert comes after the dinner and we always have it and you need to eat your vegetables before you get your dessert. But this is really creating a hierarchy of food and teaches us that dessert is better than the vegetables, right? So then the kids hate the vegetables and we look forward to dessert. We don't, you know, maybe we're overfilling our bodies. There's so much that that is creating in a negative sense so my best advice i guess with food is to offer it all at the same time if you plan on a dessert great put it on their plate if you don't plan on a dessert you say that's not on the menu tonight well we can have it tomorrow night how about um mm-hmm. so give it an option and don't make it a restriction because if they see or or experience that this is going to be restricted then they're going to get in that kind of binge restrict mindset, they're going to feel a drive towards it, right? It's kind of like, you know, if we're told we can't have something or don't think about something, don't think about it, don't think about it, we're thinking about it, Mm -hmm. right? Um, So your job as a parent is to supply the food, tell your kid when they're eating, your child's job is to choose what on their plate to eat and how much to eat Mm. so if you can keep it that simple you choose when and what to serve they choose what to eat and how much of it and then just keep your mouth shut (laughs) it's not you know they're not doing a good or a bad job if they eat only their cookie, that's fine. If they eat only their
1: broccoli, cool, but don't make a big deal about it because
0: then they're going to be suspicious.
1: <laughs> I think that so many moms and parents listening right now are having a lot of thoughts and a lot of feels. <laughs> and I am too. I, I'm writing down notes as Sammy is talking and sharing this with us because I do think it's so powerful. And I think about my own relationship with treats and growing up. Mm. And I, I, how it manifests into today. And I don't want that for my child. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. I love that you just said about the dessert and it's not an option tonight, but you know, we can have it tomorrow because my kids sometimes get so obsessed with the sweet treat after dinner. Mm -hmm. I was giving it with it for a little while. And then I think it did freak me out a little bit. Um, but I'm definitely going to try that again and to offer it. And I love that when I'm serving dinner, what I'm serving, but then ultimately the choice is theirs. And something I did start to ask my kids is if they were feeling full. And I think that that's, that was a a little bit of a shift for me of having them get in tune with their bodies. Right. Mm -hmm. And us too, like listening in, do we feel full? Well, we don't have to, make them eat the last pieces of chicken that they really don't even want to eat. Um, I think that is a really big shift though, because we've been doing it a certain way. We were raised a certain way and to kind of go Mm -hmm. against the grain here, but I say, let's try it. Right. I think only good can come of it. Um, And I thank you. That is such great information, um, such valuable tips and tools and things that we can kind of take with us, put into action for ourselves. And you mentioned that in your introduction, that it all starts with us. So I hope today, after listening to Sammy, really take us through so much information. I hope that you're able to at least take one of those things for yourself and know that you are worthy of all the food, the variety of food, and to really make that shift of our food is fueling us. It gives us energy. It's really exciting when we can create an experience around it. Um and it's all part of our overall well-being. And Sammy, you are so refreshing. I said it before, but definitely go follow her over on Instagram, anti-diet mama. She's also been on a few other podcasts that you'll want to go listen to. I love your account because it's so real. You are unfiltered and it's so refreshing to see real food, real kitchen, real families. It doesn't have to be perfect, it doesn't have to be fancy. And I think so many times we think that it has to look a certain way from all those Instagram accounts that we should be unfollowing or uh, or muting. Um but I just love and I really just respect everything that you do in your profession and the way that you connect to other moms and it was such such a pleasure and an honor to hear from you today. So if you could just share where everyone can find you and if you have any current offers or ways that people can get in touch with you or work with you.
0: Yeah, thank you so much for having me and for all those kind words. So I'm over and most active on Instagram stories mostly. I'm not like really into the posts yet, but we'll get there. neither, um, it's so okay. <laughs> I'm at anti.diet.mama um, and my website is antidietmama.com. The things that I have going on right now, I am accepting one-on-one clients um, and that is going to be like the most in-depth work that I do. Um, I also have a group course going on for mamas right now. So for mamas that don't have as much time or um, the finances for individual, we have this group going on Um, and I will definitely offer it again in the future. Um, The cohorts are closed as of when this is going to be Um, aired, but uh, I'm very excited about it. I love teaching group classes. And it's just kind of a like, here's all the things that you need to know and do regarding improving your relationship with food and intuitive eating, and raising intuitive eaters. Um, Mm. So I'm super excited about that. And just stay tuned on my Instagram for more because I'm never know what is gonna kind of come out in my mind.
1: (laughs) Wonderful. Well, for those of you that are listening, it is such an honor to, as always to be in your ear. And I hope that you found value, whether it is kicking the diet to the curb, trying some intuitive eating, getting in touch with what you need, what you're feeling, what you want being a little bit more compassionate, kind, open, and bringing that into your family values and your family culture. Sammy, thank you so much. And everybody out there, as always, I am wishing you a wonderful, wonderful, mindful week. And I'll see you guys soon.